Guys, what would you say is your favorite horror theme song? Hmm. I'm going to go first. I never go first. Yeah. Um, I'll be flipping the script today. So you mean more of an orchestral theme, not made so much like, hey, we made a rap for Freddy. Right. Not a song, not an end credit song, but okay. think like, you know, when Jason comes on and it's like, cha, 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 that kind of thing. Okay. Because I was going to say the Dickies, Killer yeah, Clowns, but I were. will go ahead and retract that. <laughs> yeah. Take that right off the table. Okay. I'm going to go with then uh, the Puppet Master theme song. I think it's a wonderful theme song. Do you guys remember that? No, no you don't. No. Here it is. You know, it's very carnival-esque, very, you know, I think it's very thematic for our puppets, and I just like it. I think it's a really good theme song. Okay. It is recognizable. Once you started playing it, I was like, oh, I remember this song. It sounds to me like less like a scary song, though, and it's more like this kind of like, it reminds me of like, what was it, Steven Spielberg's like short mystery, Lucas or Spielberg, they did the like TV Amazing show. Stories. Amazing Stories. Yeah. yeah. Spielberg. Coming to Apple Plus, actually. Oh, that's Bringing cool. that back. Yeah, I mean, it's creepy. It definitely yeah, has that creepy carnival vibe to it for sure it fits puppets well agreed what is yours garrett definitely the halloween theme song oh, that one does slap too like is that it <laughs> no that was the remix i mean when you think about it i don't think there is another probably more iconic horror song that's ever been committed to film It'd be really hard to find one that would top this. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably the horror theme song. Um. <laughs> horror, rated R. <laughs> this would be playing over it, right? I will go with, actually, I think a similarly famous one from the same era, the Exorcist theme. Which is called something bells, isn't Tabernacle it? Tabernacle of bells or some yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Definitely hitting those same vibes as like the Halloween, like single note, ominous, off key, you know, not a major key. Very repetitive in its simplicity, but also like... I'm getting goosebumps now. Yeah. (laughs) Immediately puts you on edge. Something's coming. You know what though? I actually look, my hairs are standing up a little bit. Like it's so weird. Just those, that, those bells is enough to kind of like just give you the shiver. I think sometimes people take for granted how much a soundtrack can impact the viewer. It's again, like you said, you just got goosebumps listening to a tune. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Oh yeah. And it's one of those things when it works, it's because like a lot of things in life, when it works, it fades into the movie. And unless you're really paying attention, you don't separate it from the film itself. And then it's when it doesn't work. Like, uh, was it Mother? Was that the movie that we watched with the most jarring soundtrack? And which one was the one with that lady who was uh, chained up in the basement? And it had like an indie pop soundtrack. Oh, Woman. Woman. The yeah. Woman. Oh, God, that woman. was the worst. Example of where a soundtrack could just piss all over a movie. <laughs> <laughs> that one fought against the viewer. Yeah. Yeah, that one definitely like took you out of moments. Well, I'll end this with one that I just love so much, but it's terrible. It is the Friday the 13th part three song. Ooh. Yeah. 
No. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is the one that was in 3D, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's time to go to the. Let's go to the disco. It it's sounds a, like porn music. The intro is very like almost horror James Bondy. Yeah. The song gets all ooh Yeah. Here in a second. Does this say Jason to you? It says Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> this right. this makes me think that someone's gonna basically trans like morph into something and basically yeah. like start a dance. I'm just waiting to see the TARDIS come across the screen. It's the same sound. <laughs> What's uh, What comes up if you put Nightmare on Elm Street theme? I didn't pick that one because I always think of the nursery rhyme. Yeah, agreed. Most iconic part of, or I think sound part of the movie. One of the few times where I'm really okay with a nursery rhyme being the like thing. Like yeah. I get really tired. It's all like, one. Tuck yourself in bed. <laughs> and you're like, okay, we get it. But one, two, Freddy's coming for you works so well. Yeah. Yeah. But officially, I guess, what is it? Oh, yeah. No, I think this is all it does, I think actually. that's it. Yeah. Oh, that's it, huh? I think Freddy just had a score. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, he's got that kind of like ding, 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 ding. Yeah, the three bells that they just did. There that's it is. That's it. That's yep. the Freddy... I stand by yeah. my pick. It's still good, but it's not a jam. No. If you, oh, it could be a jam if you get <laughs> Nightmare on My Street by... The Fat Boys? No, that was um, uh, DJ Jazzy Jeff and uh, the Fresh well, Prince. Yeah, All that's right. right. But the Fat Boys did do <laughs> a yes, Freddy song. Yes, they did. Freddy's Back or something like that. Oh, what a time to be alive the 80s were. <laughs> Hit the track. Hey, all you creatures from cyberspace. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Grave Talk podcast. My name is Mark. Again, join with John and Garrett. Fellas, how are we doing today? Tremendous. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's talk over each other. No, that's out. how we do it here. <laughs> Survival of the fittest on the mics. What have you guys been up to since last time? Oh, sadly, not very much. I've been living a very boring life, unfortunately. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes boring is okay. It's just been work, home, work. Still, listeners, I think it's probably the third time you've heard me say that. I'm crossing my fingers. Sometime soon, John will have something to bring us. Well, he needs to get back on that Amazon Prime. That's right. I, trust me, I'm craving it. I'm telling you. But uh, Are you West craving it? Ooh. Oh, I've not had uh, a spare to square or a square <laughs> to spare. <laughs> That's fair. Garrett, you? Uh, you know, just same old, same old. Um, I did actually load up Amazon Prime the other day, and they do have quite a good selection of horror movies. They have quite a vast selection of horror movies. Okay, this is the ones I saw. I was like, oh, this actually looks pretty cool. This looks pretty interesting. So I may start checking out a few, but most of the stuff I was intrigued by was my standard 80s, you know, crazy garbage that I really enjoy. They got one coming soon that I'm really interested in, starring Robert Pattinson called High Life. I think it's going to be one of those space horrors I've been looking for. I've been hearing good things about it. So next month in October, probably about the time this comes out, it may be available. So I'm going to check that out. Speaking of which, guys, I think we need to maybe consider talking about The Lighthouse when that comes out, starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. I don't know. I think that one looks amazing. I think that'd be a great quickie for you to do. Yeah. Did you see which? Did either of you see Witch? I did. Same guy. Did not enjoy it. Yeah. I thought Witch was very anticlimactic and not really super enjoyable. Charlatans. Both I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it, it did nothing for me. And also The Lighthouse, nothing against this, but it's filmed square. The aspect ratio is square. Mm-hmm. That's neat. Which is actually kind of an interesting take. Ready for Instagram. You seen this trailer? Do you know yeah, what I'm I saw it about? on uh, in front of some. It looks very love, seen it, it looks yes. very Lovecraftian. It is, definitely. And I think the lack of enthusiasm from you 
It's disturbing. Uh, my wife liked it. I remember her being interested into it and me being like, mm, all right, yeah, that's a movie. It was 824, right? Yeah. 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 All right. Anyway, we'll talk Sorry about that some of the time. Bubble. Yeah. Geez, way to well, go. If you watch it, you can let us know how it is and yeah. maybe we'll I will definitely back be watching that. There's no if ands. It is just but. I watched it and I'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With that said, Phantasm. Fantastic. From 1979. The Phantasm. This one is directed by Don Coscarelli. He's also known for the Beastmaster movies. Love a good Beastmaster. I did not know that, though. Yeah. Don Coscarelli, his movies uh, were funded by his family. That's where he got all his money to make these. Nice. Uh, I want to say even his first three films were all bankrolled by daddy. And it wasn't until Phantasm that he actually had a hit on his hand. Um, he was a young guy. He started making movies in high school. And I want to say he was probably around 19 to 22 when he made this film. Oh, wow. That's young. Yeah, real young. Um, this one's currently sitting at a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes out of 45 critic reviews and a 67% out of our audience, 24,572 folks. I know I say this a lot, but I feel like that's accurate. <laughs> I'd have expected it to be way lower, like 40% on the audience. I know critics love this. I'm surprised critics weren't at like 95%. I, I, see, I'm more surprised the critic score is higher than the fan score. Well, it was originally trashed, and now people have gone and done those retro reviews, oh, and okay. everyone who's retro reviewed it, apparently 60, no, 73% love it. It's my understanding that the audiences of the 70s were upset with the ending. Like they did not oh, take to think? that ending very well. It yeah. was it could be wild. Yeah. Uh, here's what the back of the VHS box has to say about Phantasm. I tried to find the Betamax, yeah. but the back of the Betamax was just an ad for everything else they sold. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say I am very excited to hear what they make of this mess. Okay, let's see. At the top of the Unspeakable box Unspeakable terror. No. <laughs> I hope so. Um, tagline at the top of the box says, where the dead are no longer that way. <laughs> Ooh, open and strong. Oh, boy. When two brothers uncover the startling secret of the living dead following the murder of their friend, what seems like a horrible, unending nightmare becomes terrifying reality. A mortuary's embalming cellar is the site for supernatural evil, including a floating sphere with razor-sharp protruding daggers which seeks out victims and drains the blood from their heads. As the brothers learn more and more about what is really going on at the Morningside Mortuary, they get deeper into trouble until it may be too late to escape. Wow. I uh, don't think they know what was going on either in this movie. You know what makes me happy? I wasn't the only one who was a bit confused. Were they actually supernatural? I assumed it was sci-fi. No, they were intergalactic. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, no. Uh, to spoil the hell out of this ending, which you get abruptly in the last yeah. 15 minutes, um, it's aliens. Yeah, I don't think they're supernatural. Uh, Maybe they had powers. I feel like it's impossible to spoil this movie because it is just uh, a sequence of events that only very loosely go from one to another. I feel like this movie came up with an ending that was like, ooh, we need to really like horror movie this up. And then I feel like the subsequent sequels explain what okay. the hell. I feel like those balls, the metal balls, are the creatures themselves almost. Ah, so it wasn't like they were like, what if, hear me out, Jawas were zombies? No, I think that might be the case. <laughs> the Film Institute classified this movie as a comedy when it came out. 
What? <laughs> Probably because no one could make head or tail of what the fuck is going on. Fair enough. Um, listeners may or may not know this, but I historically do not take a lot of notes when I when I watch these movies. Um, this one, I wrote like, I don't know, two pages of notes to try because I was like actively forgetting the movie while I was watching it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> My notes re- read like I read four different novels and like <laughs> skipped through them and it was like, I just throw it all on one page. I've seen this movie twice now. And I feel like I have a little better handle on it the second go. Um, have you guys watched any of the sequels? No, nope. I own the sequel, uh, Phantasm 2, but I have not watched it yet. I've seen number three, and I've seen all the subsequent ones as well, but I skipped two for no good reason. Yeah, that feels weird. Well, two, <laughs> two picks up like right as the first one ends. Like it, it picks up immediately oh, like as Halloween the first one style. Ends. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, that's what I was told. So... Um, it's interesting. I'm like wondering what information we're going to get in that one. I'm going to have to watch part two at this point because of the balls, nuts, crazy shit going on screen. I got to, I got to I mean, see if where you've it seen goes. everyone. I know, two? but I, it's like, I'm missing a chapter, right? Yeah, no, that's yeah, what I'm saying. You have book. to finish it up. You're probably <laughs> missing the ex, the exposition like, explanation. Well, I need to explain. I, last year for a marathon, Joe Bob Briggs at the last drive in viewed all the phantasms except for number two. And he, and he said the reason he didn't want to watch that one is because he could not condone destruction of a Hemi Cuda, which apparently is a very, very rare car and expensive. And he was very pissed off that they destroyed the car. Wow. Okay. So that's why he skipped it entirely. Um, we've got a mortuary that seems to be the site of some interdimensional travel happening. Mm-hmm. We've got a gatekeeper known as the tall man played by Angus Scrim. Great. So if you hear me call him Angus Scrim, I'm talking about the villain of the movie. Angus Scrim sounds like the name of a villain. Yes. So well done, Angus. <laughs> it's funny. We finished watching it. That name came up and uh, Maria Vanessa was all like, that's the perfect name for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a character name. <laughs> the other day when we when we had decided we were going to do the phantasm on this episode or for on this podcast, in the morning while my, my wife was making her morning racket, getting ready for work, I was half awake and for some reason, Phantasm was popping into my mind. And I was like, that's that movie with Angus Young in it. And subconscious me was like, no, you idiot. That's ACDC. You're thinking of <laughs> Angus Scrim. And I told myself, that's a really stupid name. There's no way that man's name is Angus Scrim. So when I fully woke up and my alarm went off, I immediately went and checked. And sure enough, my, my brain knew his name and I don't know why. Well done. <laughs> well done, subconscious Mark. That's the name that sticks with you. That's how good that name is. I think it was interdimensional hijinks. Yeah, probably. That did it. That's why it was in my brain. That's possible. It's definitely there. So um, let's tell you who's in this movie. This is the cast. A. Michael Baldwin plays Mike. Billy Thornberry plays Jody. Reggie Bannister plays Reggie. Kathy Lester plays Lady in Lavender. Lynn Eastman Rossi as Sally. And as mentioned, Angus Scrim is the tall man. Yeah, I think that's probably deep enough into the credits list. The movie kicks off with cemetery sex. Was it ever acceptable to go fucking a cemetery? I keep looking at it in disgust every time. This movie does it twice. One of my notes is everyone is fucking in this cemetery, and that is the worst place I can imagine. Like... I can't think of a less sexy place than the cemetery yeah. on top of somebody's grave. I can't think of any time I'd be like, let's go for it. Yeah. I'd be and like, these people no. all had cars. Jody had like a muscle car. Like, I mean, yeah, these characters, uh, the ones doing all the fucking in this movie in the cemeteries are at least 24 to 25 years old. Yeah. They can go get a hotel room for fuck's sake. Literally anywhere but the cemetery would have been more acceptable. Yeah. But not this. That's how this movie opens. Right. And what happens here, John? Uh, well, this, lady is doing all the work while this man uh 
just really laying there enjoying himself. He's really proud of himself. Uh, he immediately finishes and then gets stabbed because <laughs> sex equals dead in horror movies. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she reinforcing that theme. Yeah. Uh, we get boobs right out the gate. So if you're going to watch this at work, be prepared for that. Just um, don't watch horror movies at work. I'm going to recommend unless you work <laughs> in certain places, just don't risk it. So, uh, but it's so weird. So it literally brought up my first question. So she stabs him and then turns into the tall man. That's what I, I have. So I can have he in a graveyard, nice cold open. It's like, oh, so she might have been a dude. Oh, I think that's that tall, skinny guy from the Phantasm. Yeah. So my question, tall, the tall man can shape shift? Question mark. So Mark. Okay. No, I don't believe he's actually shape shifting. Um, you yes. think he's just there watching? I think what he's doing is somehow projecting his consciousness, and this is like his power tool set, right? He's got his woman. He can go lure in the people that he's turning into Jawas. And he's got his silver balls, which he can like control with his mind. And those are flying everywhere. You'll notice that those things only seem to come into play whenever the tall man knows where you are. Yeah, fair point. Right. So it's like it's just one of his tricks in his bag of tools, I think. So he's got a woman who's going to go out there and lure in his victims. And it seems like he can only use the silver balls inside the mausoleum. Yeah, you never see him outside of there, at least in this movie. At least in this movie. The other movies, they definitely are in other places. Okay. Um, what do you guys think of this mausoleum, man? The in, interior of this thing is just this gorgeous, I like, marbled... Was, I thought it was Jody's house at first. And what? Like, in yeah, okay, so this is the thing. is like, so we basically get the cemetery sex and then cuts to Jody coming into town and meeting his friends at the, like, cemetery and being like, oh, man, it's unfortunate we all have to meet here for so-and-so's death. Tommy. Tommy's death. And they all come in in town to like bury Tommy. And then they keep cutting to this house because the house and the cemetery are never shown in the same shot. Well, everything. And so I thought they were like, they were like having this reception at this nice house and then they were going to the cemetery. (laughs) And then I was like, wow, they just keep cutting back and forth, back and forth. And then like later on, you realize that this marble mausoleum, which looks the size of like a warehouse almost is inside this like house, this Victorian style house. Yeah, it, uh, as it could sadly fit in there, but it just seems so yeah. out of place. Uh, th- 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 I think the interior of the mausoleum is pretty accurate to the interior of mausoleums. I'll give them that. I don't know True. if they filmed it, it in an actual looks, mausoleum. I think that's what they did, and then I think they were like, "Oh, that's inside this house." And yeah, it's like, the exterior. That's a weird place. You don't usually marble the interior of a house. Yeah, I the whole concept of indoor burials, like mausoleums and like things like that, is just seems so foreign to me. Like I've I've never actually visited one, uh, so I couldn't tell you what they like and what they're like inside. My whole family, for whatever reason, that's how they that's how they do it. So oh, really? Since I was a kid, is it yeah. a big one or is it kind of like a smaller one? Uh, no, it's huge. Uh, it's very big. Um, they all there's like wings, you know, so like everyone's mm. pretty close. Okay, to so it's not like a family sarcophagus kind of thing. It's no, no, like no, a, no, 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 no. It's you, exactly like it looks in the movie where there's just square really? pots okay. on the wall. Yeah, and you, they slide the coffin inside there. Behind each square is a coffin. Yeah. Okay. Like one of my um, grandfathers or great grandfather, I can't remember which one, like owned a cemetery in Oklahoma. Wow. And um, like there was, they had a small mausoleum area. It seemed big. Yeah. At the time, but I don't think it was like that big in comparison. Not like the a normal big right. one, but like, yeah, it was very much, it looked very similar. So the funeral of Tommy is where we get our introduction to soon to be main character Reggie. 
Uh, he's an ice cream truck delivery guy. And I'm like, okay, was that just so common back yeah, then? I thought that too. I was like, man, if you made that as a character, and like, it's totally unremarkable in movies, in the older movies where they have this. Nowadays, that would be a key point of the movie is this guy was a ice cream delivery man because it's so It'd unusual. It'd be like a red herring yeah. type thing. Like, is the ice cream man responsible for something? And you're just like... Yeah, it's like, you're the bad guy, right? No. Poor ice cream men. <laughs> you know, they're out there giving ice cream. They can't catch a break. Typecast is the villains of things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're also introduced to our other main character, Mike. Now, Mike is a bit of a pervert, if you ask me. He's a bit of a voyeur. He's always following his brother around. So he's spying again with binoculars, looking in on this uh, this damn funeral. Mike is a borderline stalker. Yeah. He is in a very unhealthy relationship with his older brother. Yeah. Well, because Jody left before. He's very worried that Jody's going to leave him again. And so, yeah, instead of like going to the funeral, I don't know if he wasn't invited. He wasn't, he wasn't allowed. He was yeah, banned. Yeah, he specifically oh. says like, I was not going to let the little kid come to this. He, okay. did, he doesn't need to see Tommy in the casket. Okay, gotcha. I didn't know why. But yeah, he he rides his motorcycle through the graveyard <laughs> to spy from the bushes on the funeral that's going on, like specifically just watching Jody. Yeah. And then the funeral happens. Yeah. And oddly enough, everybody else seemed to have cleared out. But here, there's Mike still spying on the whole thing right because he sees the tall man just pick up the casket like under one arm like yeah which is which would be fucking incredible to watch yeah this tall man lifts a casket which is said to weigh about 500 pounds because later on jody's like like i was there it took six of us to lift this thing there's no way that dude lifted that with one hand but he underarms the casket (laughs) just opens the door of the harrison's like well we're done here no problem and like a balsa wood yeah Mike even mouths, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know if they like edited it out to like avoid like a higher rating by using the word fuck or if like it was just supposed already to are. be a mouth, you know, mouth yeah. mouthing. To give the listener a little bit more about a uh, description of Angus Scrim, he is six foot four and they put him in platform shoes and dressed him in a suit size twice his size to make him even look even taller than he was. Dang. Oh, wow. So you just watch this large man, one arm a coffin. You're going, oh my God. Then I think Tommy gets like freaked out by this and he runs away and then he goes to like a psychic's house. Yes. Let's introduce another scene that makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. So is there magic in this universe? As far as you can tell from the other movies. There's got to be something unexplained phenomena. Because this this lady seems to know some things, right? It makes a magic box fucking appear out of nowhere. (laughs) That blew my mind because he goes to this house and he's all like, oh, hi, Judy, or whatever the little girl's name that lives there. Like, she's probably like 17, 18. Yeah. And he's like, hi. And she's got a little star tattoo on her, her upper cheek. And he's like, oh, hi. She's like, hi, Mike. And he's like, I'm here to see your grandma. And I was like, that's weird. Like, what's yeah. he wanted to hang out with an old lady for? Because I didn't realize it was a, a psychic. Well, there was like a weird sign outside that had like the handprint. I just didn't know exactly uh, what it was. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I guess that's what it is. But then he goes in there. The grandmother has the star tattoo on her forehead. The grandma doesn't talk, but talks through the daughter. Grandmother, Michael has returned and wishes to speak with you. Grandmother is pleased you've come and wants to know what's bothering you. Oh, tell her that I, um... She can hear you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? (laughs) His grandma's in a wheelchair being wheeled up to the table. (laughs) This is just, this is just my output. You can, she's got the inputs. You can talk straight to her. Yeah. Listen to me. So he's like, I'm here for two reasons. I'm here for two things, actually. A, I think Jody's going to leave me again because he's left me before. Our parents are dead, and I would really like to not be alone anymore. And then the answer was like, he will leave again, but he's going to take you with him. It's like, "Mm, okay, on to point number two. I'm really scared about something that I did. I was messing around up at Morningside Cemetery, and I saw something. 
Something really scary. Uh, I just watched some big tall man one arm a coffin into the back of a truck, and then some bad shit went on. So we see the scene, and then the immediate after effect is watching Mike ride away on his bicycle, and the tall man uses his mind to throw him <laughs> off the bike. Yeah. Which, just to fuck with him, he doesn't interrupt him in any other way when he gets back on the bike and drives off. Doesn't bother him. He just was like, I'm going to trip that kid. And the way it's cut. You, it doesn't like indicate that this is a flashback or this is something yeah. you're seeing in Mike's mind. It's like, oh, this is just a new scene. I guess the psychic scene's done. Nope, smash cut after those right back to the site. You're like, oh, this is what he was telling her. It's not portrayed at all no. that way. So I thought like it was just misedited. Like I was like, <laughs> someone fucked up this movie. And so the psychic is like, all right, I know what I'm going to do here. I'm going to magic in a box from Dune. <laughs> and, uh, I thought of Dune too. Yeah. This is totally like the little box with the Dune stinger. Dune cage box. That's what I wrote. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I'm going to need you to stick your hand in there. This served no purpose. No. This has nothing well, to do with does. anything. It, it does because the very end, he uses this lesson that he learns here to figure to out fail. where the portal is. But yes, he does fail with it. No, and so he puts his hand in the box, and it just starts hurting. He's like, "Ow, this hurts a lot." And she's like, "The pain's imaginary." Yeah. Fear is the enemy. It's like she's mm. like, it's all in your head. Don't be don't be worried about it. And he's like, no, it really hurts. And there's <laughs> like, it's just a fear. Don't worry about it. And it's like, this is not soothing at all. It's like if you chill out, you'll get your hand back. Okay. Calm down. And you're like, okay, I got my hand out. Like the and monkey then, trap where they put yeah. like the fruit inside and you can't pull your hand out as yeah. long as you got the fruit. And then like they hand him the bill and he's like, Oh, I gotta pay for this. And he <laughs> drops some cash on top of the pain box and they both vanish. <laughs> Yes. I was like, okay. I was like, did they lose the money? Did they lose the box? Where does this stuff go? And then he just leaves like, thanks. Talk to y'all right. later. And then what follows this amazing scene? A weird musical <laughs> interval. Oh, no, sir. What we get, I believe, is Jody out front playing his guitar. Reggie's done with his ice cream shift. He's all done delivering his ice cream to the mm -hmm. public. He's now going to deliver some sweet, sweet guitar company. <laughs> <laughs> So he just, for whatever reason, I don't know why movies used to do this, but they would interject a musical number. We've said this before. So random. Like howling. We watch a band play a whole song. Yeah. Here we are. Now it's time to hear these guys fiddle around with their guitars for a minute. But there is a part of this that actually comes back in later. With the tuning fork. Right. Fine. Reggie bangs his tuning fork and he puts his two fingers against it to stop it. And then they they kick out the jams. That could have been done in three <laughs> seconds, not a three-minute song. The 70s were crazy. And then from there, like, we're, we're just done, right? They, like, high-five and, like, that was a good jam, brother. Yeah, so the <laughs> next thing, you know, all right, now that we got music done, let's go to the bar. Fucking Jody's, like, in a bar, and he picks up a chick in, like, three seconds. Uh, mad props to Jody. I'd like to know his game because he just walks in there, sits next to her, and they're like, hey, do you want to go to cemetery to fuck? And that's what they go do. I think he, he has to just go up to her and be like, hey, you want to go fuck? That's got to be that's, it. That's, he hasn't had time to say anything else. No, it's incredible. But the whole time, Mike has followed him to the bar and is watching this through the window. Stalking and him. And he watches him leave with this chick. And they leave out the front door. And he's like, uh, she's like, where do you want to go? And she's like, he's like, what do you want to do? And she's like, what else is there to do in this town? <laughs> and it's like, oh, I guess that's fair. And they walk off, off like, set yeah. and are immediately in the graveyard. 
The right. same everything graveyard from earlier. in this town is within walking distance of Absolutely. everything else. Yeah, uh, that in, house and that graveyard. Yeah, including thousand foot mine shafts that'll come into play later. So clearly Jody's move is like... I forgot about the mine shaft. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes no sense when that comes up. <laughs> it's like three feet away from the house and cemetery. Yeah, but okay, so we know Jody's go-to move is to pick up women and take them to the cemetery. Like you feel like any like if any jilted lover had a problem, they just go hang out at the cemetery for like <laughs> Jody to show back up. Well, he doesn't need to worry about a jilted lover because Mike is the ultimate cock block. <laughs> yeah, so Jody's there getting down with this chick, the same chick from earlier yes. that killed the uh, the first guy, which we now realize might be associated with a tall man. And they're starting to get down, and then Mike's in the bushes watching this, and Mike's like, "Here's some rustling and some like," and they it the term is warbling. Because I had <laughs> subtitles on, and it was like warble. Yeah, I just thought it was like some weird wolf noise. Yeah, it's like, and I was like, what the hell? But they say warbling, and that comes on the screen so many times. Like, this movie should be called The Warbling. Um, but yeah, he's watching this, and he's like, I guess I'm just going to watch my brother like fuck this chick in the so cemetery. Creepy. And I was like, I was like, there's some, there's something interesting about voyeurism that like that may be your jam if that's your thing, but don't do it with family. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like mm, if you're gonna be weird, voyeurism? if you're gonna be weird, don't be that weird. With I'm it. gonna go ahead and add a little bit to that and say, don't do voyeurism unless the party knows you're watching. And oh, approved. absolutely, yes, no, of course, <laughs> consensual voyeurism. I'm just saying, like, you know, like if that's like whatever and you got a permission then okay but like holy shit he's just watching his brother bone in the cemetery yeah it's crazy and then he gets spooked by the things that jump out at him goes runs off screaming and then jody has like her underwear in his mouth he's like i think that's my brother runs right by them within like feet why is her i mean i don't understand the sequence of events it's that, called foreplay. No, I, I'm. I mean, mm, I don't know what they were doing, but that was not regular foreplay. That's some no, weird that's cemetery. Jody, that's Jody foreplay. Yeah. It's like they love it when I stuff their underwear <laughs> yeah, in, my, in mouth. my own yeah, mouth. Yeah, but take the panties out of your mouth before you like decide to talk about something. Yeah. you know, don't have a conversation with underwear crammed in your mouth. And so Jody puts on his pants, catches up with Mike, tackles him to the ground. As brothers do. That part's relatable. He'd be pissed as. <laughs> Man, he'd be mad. Yeah, he tackles on the ground. He's like, what's going on, man? What are you doing? Like, just completely calm about this situation. He's like, okay, I was perving out on you, but <laughs> here's the thing. There's like some creatures going on, man. I don't know what's going on. They're, they're chasing me down. And Jody's like, look, dude, 13-year-old Mike, take my car and go home, <laughs> would you please? I'm going to go back to my lady. I don't have time for this. Well, I love his excuse. So crazy. His excuse was like, it was probably just a gopher in heat. Yeah. Is what he <laughs> says. And I was like, and how do you know this? Why would that be your go-to? I mean, a gopher, whatever. Is we that don't, a Caddyshack reference? Uh, what's not revealed to us is that Jody is actually a gopher farmer. So he's very <laughs> intimate with these gophers. He knows what they're up to Fair when enough. they get into the mood. So at this point, Jody, I guess, goes back to... Yeah, he's going to go finish what he started. Right. But the, the girl's in the gone. Cemetery, but she's vanished. He's like, what? Right. No, I don't think... I think Mike's like, that's a nice idea, Jody, but I'm not going to do that because he, go, this, this, he goes to explore the mausoleum for whatever he reason. He goes to his house real quick and gets like a Rambo-sized knife yeah. and shoves it in his boot under his super tight jeans that he has to pull up to his knee to even like get to the knife handle. And it was funny. We were watching it and we were both just like, there's no way he's getting to that knife no, if he needs it. It'll like, take like 10 he minutes has to sit down, pull his pant leg up to his knee, like really roll it up just to get the knife in. It was like, he's never getting that knife out in but time. You know, as a, I, I can imagine a third that makes 13 year old logic. Like, I'm sure it this made, is a cool thing. Like this is what a 13 year old would do. Do you think Mike has seen enough weird shit that would justify breaking 
breaking and entering no into a place absolutely not but mike goes from zero to 100 quick because wasn't i don't rem- this had to be early in the movie but i don't remember where but at one point he's fucking around with a shotgun and jody's like warning shots are bullshit no that's later that's later that's after okay. that's after he breaks into this he goes to the the victorian <laughs> mausoleum house he's like looking around he's like well i saw the tall man go over here you know and he's like and i heard that weird like jawa warbling you know so who let me just kick this window in bam kicks the window in climbs in and at this point it's like it's free game now yeah he is directly responsible for what happens next oh yeah and then he starts walking around, the, looking around. The caretaker sees him. Well, he goes and hides in a coffin. Yeah. Because yes. the tall man, Scrim, walks in and he's like, so I think I heard uh, maybe someone kicking my window out. <laughs> 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 but he gets caught. There's another man in there that I don't know if we ever see again. Uh, some yes, of, we see him later. Okay, he gets so killed. It's like the henchman of the tall man. They're, yeah. they're kind of inspecting it around. And he captures Mike, like grabs him from behind and he starts screaming. A silent bob to his J, if you will. (laughs) Uh, And is this where we finally see the balls for the first time? This is where we see the ball for the first time. So Now, their official name is the Sentinel Sphere. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Okay, so Willie, we'll call him Willie, the the the, the side henchman, ends up like gr- jumping out, grabbing Mike, and Mike's like, oh my God, and he bites his hand, like bites into his hand. Which, like, mad props. Good job, Mike. The Sentinel Sphere is now, this is our first introduction to it. We see it like whizzing through the air. We hear the noise. Then it starts going right at Mike, who's being held by Willie. Right. I don't remember this character's name. I don't so. know either. Olaf. And then the, the spikes come out of it, and then Mike bites down real hard, gets out of the way, and the spikes hit Willie's forehead and then starts juicing his head and it's like starts crazy. shooting out blood like a juicer. Yeah, it, uh, a drill or something comes out of the yes. ball and starts drilling into his head. And then a hole in the back of the sphere opens up and it is a fountain of blood. <laughs> More blood than the human brain yes. or head has. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, don't rightfully, know how much, I don't know how much blood there's in there, but like it's like shooting out and like it's just like a hose that's been left on. Yeah, this is rightfully, the, I think, the most famous scene from this movie. Yes. It is wild. I love these spheres. Yeah. They're so cool and they're so iconic. If anybody knows in Phantasm, in passing, they're familiar. Even even if they haven't seen the movies, they're probably familiar with that sphere. Yeah. yeah. And then the guy pisses himself, which I thought was a nice touch because that's what happens when people <laughs> yeah, die. He falls to the ground and I was like, wait, the blood is miscolored. And I was like, oh no, that's piss. Like, yeah. He, it that, was crazy. That dude got killed and like urinated himself. Also a lot of piss. So my man had to pee before he died, which Mike is unfortunate. Mike sees this, gets up. Um. Oh shit. He has an encounter with the tall man, and they're both staring each other down from the hall. And one walks forward a step, he takes a step, and he's kind of starting to mirror like mm. Mike's movement. Yeah, it's a very surreal chase. I liked this scene where he's chasing him through the mausoleum, and then uh, except an old man is keeping pace with like a 17, 18 well, he year can old kid. Lift a, you know, he's thirteen. Is he thirteen? Yeah, because Jody said thirteen. Yeah, yeah, Jody's like, oh, he's thirteen now, so I'm going to send him off to be with his aunt. Then this is another case of like '70s movies casting way too old the people <laughs> to be in a role. Because I thought this kid was like at least no, like that's 17. what makes everything re- extra ridiculous. That he's like, here's my keys. Take this knife. He drinks a beer. Yeah, uh, the '70s were a crazy time. So let's let's do a little better job of explaining what these Jawa henchmen are. They're basically small actors in what looks like the Jawa cloak. Yes. I, I, I want to describe what uh, they look yes. like. Um, they look like Jawas, exactly. Yeah, it's like a black hooded cloak, and these like smaller people have them on, but they've got like hairy like werewolf hands. Yeah, and these are the creatures making all the noises also that we're, yes. Mike's been hearing. Um, it's funny that the, you know everybody says that they look like Jawas, and the director claims up and down that he had designed and had these costumes on hand before Star Wars came out. 
Mm-hmm. I could actually agree with that. That's probably like that's probably legit. This is not a yeah. unique design, and the jaw was. And there's never been a lawsuit or anything for so maybe he's legit. You know, I don't think there's enough difference. Like they don't have the glowy eyes. I mean, there's enough difference there, and this is such a a basic design. Yeah. You know that like I can believe that they more than one person came up with the same thing at the same time. So Mike is chased back to where he kind of crawled through into like the the bottom cellar room where the window is that he broke in and the tall man's hand is trapped like it gets closed in on when the fingers are sticking out of the door frame. Yeah, like he closes the door as the tall man's reaching for him and then you don't you hear this like tap 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 and the camera slowly pans to the right and you see that the tall man's hand is crushed in between the door and the fingers are still like tapping and trying to grab at him. And then he takes his giant Rambo knife and cuts all the dude's fingers off. Which, mad props, good idea. You're a G, Mike. I feel like at this point, you got him covered. Like, just go. He's committed. Don't worry about cutting the fingers off. Just run, No, dude. he's thinking about how am I going to prove that some crazy shit went down. I don't know so if Mike was thinking at all during any of this. I mean, he took, he and the guy bleeds mustard. It's like a yellow liquid. Yeah, it isn't it's, normal it's blood. Honey, it's honey mustard. But he takes one of the fingers with him. You can dip your spicy nugs in it. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Uh, but he takes the finger with him. He puts it in a box. Yeah. And then he, he uh, hightails it out back to his house. That's where we see him. He's like asleep on the stairs with a shotgun waiting for Jody to come home. But he left his Rambo knife. That's the <laughs> thing. Is he, it, was like, it was like that scene from like The Godfather. It's all like, leave the gun, take the cannoli. It was like, the hell's the point, dude? Like, if you're like trying to get evidence, you've also left evidence. Fair. And also, he probably could have used that knife again. You think? There's plenty of circumstances. Knife is not a one-use thing. (laughs) He lives in an armory, so I don't know that he's worried (laughs) about that knife. Mike and Jody's house is like fully stocked. Yeah. Yeah, and the next scene that proceeds after this is pretty great. Jody tell he uncocks the shotgun. He's like, "Now remember, you don't aim a gun at a man unless you intend to shoot him, and you don't shoot a man unless you intend to kill him. No warning shots." You listening to me? Yeah. No warning shots. Warning shots are bullshit. You shoot to kill or you don't shoot at all. And uh, warning shots are bullshit. God, what a great line. Like real, like hardcore yeah. rules of like, dude, they, maybe you are not the person no, to teach gun. I mean, it's no. good gun ownership. I think it is safety. good ownership yeah. safety. It's like, dude, do not point it at anything yes. unless you mean to take it out. You know? Yeah. And then he's like, if you're going to use it, make sure you get a kill shot. And it's yeah. Like, that part Whoa. might be a little much. Yeah. Like, I was like, dude, okay, that's fine. There's safety. And then there's like overkill. <laughs> Only shoot to kill. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jody's like, what is going on with you, Mike? You're being a freak right now. What is happening? He's like, there's some crazy fucking shit going on, Jody. I know because now I have a box with a finger and I'm going to have you look at it right now. And he opens the box and he goes, okay, I believe you. Jesus. Well, all right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. this like, is going on. I what do we do? You. <laughs> yeah, you, know, uh, you guys are emoting so much more than he emoted. I know. He, he was just so goes, deadpan. He looks down and goes, okay, I believe you. Like, <laughs> what? You should be shocked. The finger wasn't just cut off. It was actively still moving. In in a pile of mustard. Yeah. And he just not phased. Jody, not phased at all. He's just like, all right. Now we have a job to do. Yeah. Which, thankfully, he did not not fall into the horror cliche. His first idea was, we got to take this to the sheriff. I respect that. Involve the authorities. Uh, But instead, and I guess maybe he says, go get the finger. Go get your evidence. Yeah. And the finger at this point... Did it convert into a monkey spider? It turned into like this like attacks like fly. Yeah, it was like some weird beetle thing, right? It was like a a fly with Uh, chompers. What did I write down? I wrote a flying spider demon. So (laughs) it started... That's pretty accurate. Reggie just randomly shows up. I was like, hey, what's going on? Oh, shit. They're they're (laughs) fighting it. 
And then like Mike's like, Ma or Jody and Jody gets it. And they're like, they're tussling with like a shirt that's supposed to have it inside of it, but they're doing all the work. So it's like in plan nine where they're like trying to make the octopus tentacle yeah. move around them. It's like that. They shove it in the garbage disposal. Think they garbage disposal it up. Reggie walks in like, what's going on, fellas? The thing jumps out, attacks Mike again. And Reggie's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Reggie's like, I'm totally tripping balls right now. And then at this point, everyone's like, okay, let's go take care of this mausoleum thing. And it's just like, holy crap, this escalated real fast. Yeah, well, Oh, dude, Reggie's got the best plan. Reggie's like, look, here's my idea. Why don't we go to the mausoleum, we get this guy, and we just stomp the truth out of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in total 70s lingo, Mike looks at him and he goes, are you kidding me? That mother's strong. <laughs> I was like, wow, I haven't heard that in a the long time. The dialogue in this movie was bananas. I was like, holy crap. And so then Jody's like, Reggie, I like where your mind's at, but we got to get Mike to safety. Mike, go to the world's creepiest fucking antique shop. Drop him off with Sally and Susie. You know, I don't even know if we've been introduced to no. them properly. This is but. the first time we saw these characters or this antique shop. Yeah, I couldn't remember. I didn't. I was like, who are these girls? I don't know who they yeah. are. And something that Jody can't seem to understand is every time Mike is left alone, the tall man's going to go for him. Yeah. And also, Mike's probably just going to weirdly come after you to stalk you anyway, Jody. <laughs> yeah, it's so. time to just let that guy glue himself <laughs> to you and just be like your shadow. Um, but yeah, while he's in the antique shop, he's looking around and he's like, hmm, what is this? A photograph. And it's the tall man of like some really old timey photography. 1800 style thing. Clearly showing that this has been going on for a long time. And at this point, the photo becomes a moving yeah, and picture. It turns to, the it, tall man turns and looks at Jody. From this old timey, like, sepia tone photograph and then looks back and then it turns back into a regular photograph and i was like was that in jody's head was that real i have no idea but you get the idea that the tall man's immortal yeah and he's targeted mike so i think that's just more of his shenanigans i don't think it's like in his head i think it's literally happening you know and so then mike's like i gotta get out of this antique shop uh girls can you drive me home and they're like <laughs> no he doesn't even just say that <laughs> he demands you're gonna take me home and we're not gonna answer any questions about it you're just gonna do it <laughs> It's like a little dickhead. <laughs> and yeah, so then the girls agree to drive him home and the Jawas attack the car and Mike's like, don't open the door. Whatever you're doing, stop doing it. And uh, they're just like, what are you talking about, little boy? Open the door and the Jawas invade the car. Uh, and Mike's like, I don't have time for this bullshit. And he just jumps out the back jumps window. Jumps out the back <laughs> of the window, this Volkswagen bug. And I was like, well, that's one way. And then yeah. the car drives off. Yeah, with he, the two like little monsters and the ladies inside of it. And I was like, well, I guess that's something. Yeah. I assume they are dead. Well, there's, there's one not. There's one throwaway line that clears all that up. Oh, okay. Also, during this period, Reggie. This is when Reggie comes in and like clears everything up. Yeah, well, Reggie shows up and his ice cream truck blows up. Yeah, because right? he's attacked by. Right. Yeah. Or the Jawa things. Yeah. And like. Mike just walks the rest of the way home, which I think defeats the purpose of needing a ride from these girls anyway. If you could have just walked home this whole fucking I don't think he had a choice at this point, so. But yes. Oh, what this movie, man. What a mess. So, at this point, they well, some, the, how they get home is not important, but everyone gets home. Oh, Jody's at home waiting for Mike to come in. Mike comes in. He's like, okay, we got attacked. They got Sally and Judy. I don't remember their names exactly, but... Sally and Susie. Sally and Susie. And they think Reggie's dead, too. And they think Reggie's dead. And so at this point, Jody's like, all right, I'm locking you in your room. He <laughs> Not goes just a lock. And, what did he do? It's a screwdriver. Oh, he puts the screwdriver? Like he drives yeah. the screwdriver in between the door and the frame to like pin him in there. I don't understand how that worked at all. No, I didn't either. Um, but it doesn't matter. He like, yeah, really jams him up in that room. But that's not going to slow Mike down. Mike just has a shotgun shell. My man MacGyver basically yeah. takes a shotgun shell, a, 
a ball bearing and a hammer, duct tapes the shotgun shell to the end of the ball bearing. Or I yeah. thought it was like a thumbtack. I thought it, it was like, like a ball a bearing. Because he like pushes it into the no, bottom of the shotgun. No, it is a thumbtack because he takes oh, okay. it off of his pinboard where okay, he has all okay, his weird sorry, shit. Okay, I'm sorry. I didn't see exactly but what it was. General just as he MacGyver's this weird ass hammer gun. He hits the hammer against the, the door and it it punctures the, the end of the shotgun shell, which blows a hole in the door. He reaches through and gets out. Just a thousand percent not at all how that would work. No, that's and not how that would work at it would, all. That's why guns have barrels. Yes. <laughs> to have, direct the yeah, shell. Like it would have just puffed up in a big circle. But yeah, anyway. It's so, it was so like, I, I appreciated the like the concept of it, but I was like, ooh, this is not a good idea. Also, I man. feel like they would never show that in a movie this day and age. A 13-year-old making something that insanely explosive. I feel like you're probably right. Uh, that Someone's going to be like, oh, we should probably think long term about liability this. here. <laughs> he immediately grabs a pistol. Like you said, this place is an armory. <laughs> it's like, OK, uh, they just have weapons galore here. And then Angus Scrim is there. The tall man <laughs> is immediately there. He's like, hey, buddy, he let's go for a ride. Door, <laughs> and he picks Mike up like he's just carrying luggage. He's just like, all right, we're taking you into this fucking car. Throws him in the back of the tall man's hearse. <laughs> And then basically starts driving back to the mausoleum house. I guess at this point, Mike so, is like, all oh, right, I have a gun. I don't need to take this shit. And he shoots the the tire out of the hearse, mm-hmm. breaks out the back again. Uh, the hearse drives off and just explodes for God knows what reason. He jumps out. That's the second time he's jumped out a back window. Right. That's it. It flips and explodes <laughs> as if it's made of kerosene. <laughs> And tender. Yeah, like, look, we were done with it, okay? We gotta move on to the next plot point. Like, we don't got time to explain shit. It exploded so fast, it was like it was a miracle it didn't just explode when he hit a pothole. Well, well it, it ran off the road and ran into a tree. Oh, and then That's blew what up. happened. As blew up. Per so, Michael Bay rules. The thing is, is like, Mike's gonna go to the mausoleum anyway. He could have just taken the ride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like he's on his way there. So Jody's there <laughs> looking around. He opens up their father's mausoleum plot, the little, like, outlet i don't know what it's called (laughs) and then he's like no i don't need to look in here i know because they find out earlier that tommy tommy's face is on one of the little tiny like monster jawa things and they're like oh my god it's tommy and they're like this dude's robbing graves they're robbing graves and turning them into slaves which are the jawa creatures jody's in there and he like wants to look in his father's corpse uh casket and he's like no 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 he's got to be in there i know he's in there and then it goes around looking around this is where we get orb vision where we see the 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 scene from the the perspective of the uh, sentinel sphere, yeah, and it's like red and black, kind of like it looked neat. It's yeah. kind of cool. It agree. was like I was like, oh, monster vision, its own unique way. And then um, it's chasing Jody around, and that's when Mike shows up, looks in the casket, sees that their dad is missing. Yeah, so Daddy is a is a jawwall. and so he catches up, and he's like, "They took Dad's corpse! Oh my God!" Blah blah blah. At this point, Reggie busts in, and they're like. Reggie, we thought you were dead. And he's like, no, I was almost dead. I escaped. I found the two girls. I let them out. They ran away in a panic. Um, everyone's gone. I've been hiding in a casket. And That's I wrote, what it is. hiding in a casket, LOL. I respect that. That's what I would do. <laughs> he said, I'm not dead. And I also ain't three foot two yet, neither. <laughs> That's what he said. I was like, holy Indicating shit. Indicating he hasn't been turned into one of the little Jawas. I am team Reggie through and through. Reggie is a, Reggie out of nowhere becomes like a dark horse badass. Yes. You're like, holy shit. So the, through the search, they find this room with like little right. black like canisters. And then you realize they're putting the corpses in there. 
And they're like, oh, my God, there's people in there. This is where everything kind of comes back. So <laughs> that's one way to put they're it They're in this room. So you're saying, right, at this point, they're like, I think I know there's a weird room in the back. We should maybe check out the weird room in the back. They've been kind of working their way back yeah. to like this area. And Mike's like, something in there is where they're fucking around. Yeah. They and, open it up and it is white like a medical room. It's um, so bizarre. With just black barrels. Yes. And it's like, what the hell is this? They and look in the barrel and they're like, oh, my God, there's people. <laughs> yeah, all the Jawas are in here or something. I don't know. I couldn't make heads to tell if it was a, a ready-to-go Jawa or if it was in the process of cocooning. Or, yes. Is that is the is the... Is the trash can what makes you small? I think so, yes. Yeah, they're, okay. they're compressing them down in there. And the thing is, there's these two metal like rods sticking yeah. out of the floor. And in the background, you're hearing this whoa, 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 like whoa, 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 tuning fork, maybe. Like a tuning <laughs> fork. And you're not supposed to know this yet, but it becomes blatantly obvious. So at this point, the movie immediately flashes back to the the um, psychic. And then Mike's like, it's like, if you put your hand in, fear is the problem. Don't fear it. So Mike puts his hand in between the two Dude. tuning forks, and his hand disappears. Then he looks through, falls through this portal, and you see this other planet with, like, a red sky and all the little, like, Jawa monsters down there, like, digging up stuff in the sand. I didn't understand at all what these slaves were doing. It seemed like they were just moving rocks around. I have no idea. that They were doing something. And so I guess like Jody reached through and grabbed Mike, pulls him back through. And that's when Mike is like, okay, here's your exposition dump. They're crushing people down into slaves due to the gravity of this planet. They <laughs> have to be small. And he sense it all. They can't be this tall because they have to be small for the gravity of this planet. This is a gateway to that planet. And then at this point, someone does something to reverse the polarity. They yeah. know what's up. And there's a flashback <laughs> to them playing the guitar from earlier where he so touches crazy. the tuning fork and Rudy's like, aha. We get we get two <laughs> we get two flashbacks to like remind you like we set the we set this expectation early Check on. Check off tuning fork. <laughs> yeah. So Reggie just walks up and puts both hands onto the metal rods in the room, which is like it's it flips the switch to reverse. It stops the tonal like noise. And then everything starts getting sucked into the invisible portal. Mike and Jody get out of here and then Reggie's like trying to climb out of the room. It looks like a Jamiroquai video. He's like, everything's moving all slow in this white room with things like <laughs> wiggling around behind him. And then he eventually claws his way out of this room. So everyone's out of this room, which is imploding on itself. The house starts flashing weird colors. Yeah. And Reggie then sees a girl. Oh, it's the girl. And mm. is like, oh, I'm going to go take care of this situation. I'm going to save time, this Reggie. girl. Yeah. <laughs> and then she kills poor Reggie. Well, well we're led to well, believe. He, he gets her outside because everyone gets out of the house yeah. in different ways. Mike and Jody go out one side. Reggie goes out rescuing the girl on the other side. And he's like, you're safe now. She pulls a knife out, stabs him right Just in the fucking boom. chest. Right. This Duh. is the lady credited as, a, as Lady in Lavender. She's the, the tall man's tool for luring in the people. Just Reggie didn't know it. Yeah. Well, she's yeah. very successful at this. Uh, yes. Almost anyway. And then Mike and Jody are like, we got to find Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> so they run around the house, find Reggie's stabbed jody's like okay the house disappears yeah and he's like we need to kill the tall man there's a thousand foot mine shaft that we will go trick him into he's like i'm I'm gonna go remove the warning tape i'm like what are you talking about you gotta go clear the path to get to the mine is that what you're trying to say yeah jody's like like i'll go clear the way so someone will accidentally walk into this giant hole in the ground and it is like 
It's maybe like six foot by six foot. It it's nothing massive. At and all again, look he like told, what a mine shaft would look like. No, and then he's like, Mike, you go off on your own again because that always works. Yeah. Go home and get some ammo and <laughs> meet me at the mine shaft. Uh, and so naturally, the tall man shows up and uh, starts chasing Mike. Mike is like, all right, I'll just run you to this mine shaft that is apparently three feet from a graveyard and a bar and my house. Everything's a short <laughs> hop, skip, and a jump from each other. Uh, and so he runs. Oh, don't worry. Mike somehow knows where the grave uh, or the mine shaft is, hops over it. Tall man, not so lucky, falls right into the mine shaft. And then immediately there's a rock slide from a cliff that we never saw. <laughs> no. You guys seen Looney Tunes? You know <laughs> yes. when the coyote runs off the cliff and keeps going and he's still yeah. midair and then realizes what's going on? That's what happens here. That's, <laughs> That's what it feels. The rock slide happens and basically seals the hole and they're like, cool, we got him. Oh, thank goodness. Mike wakes up in his bed like out of a, like a nightmare, like, oh, crazy. my God. And you're like, wait, there's no way that was a dream, right? <laughs> he goes downstairs and he's all like, hey, Reggie, who's just noodling on his guitar or just sitting by the yeah. fire. Unstabbed. And unstabbed, which was confusing to me. I was like, well, where's this fucking stab wound? It, and he's yeah. like, I'm going to really miss Jody. You know, like, do you think he'll come back, blah, blah, blah? Do you think he'll make it back? And that's when uh, Reggie's like, my dude, he's been dead. Like, he died last week in yeah, a car crash. he died with crash. your parents. He said Jody died in a car wreck like a week ago. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so um, we get a scene where basically Mike is now standing at the, a graveyard, not the same graveyard, but a different graveyard, looking at Jody's, like, plot. With yes, the little, it's like, the flashback of what really happened. Right. Yes, of what really happened. So we had a whole Jacob's Ladder type thing going on if here. If that had actually been the ending, I would have been so more, much, much more impressed with this movie. Like, okay, this is a tale of how a child processes, a gr like, grief and death. Mm -hmm. But no, they couldn't, they did not commit. No, they couldn't leave it alone. So then he goes, he's like, they're like, what? And then Reggie's like, well, tell you what, man, we'll get out of here. He's like, no, he's like, the tall man, I know he's still out there. And he's like, are you sure? Go get your stuff. We're going to go on a road trip. And we'll just drive around and see what's going on. <laughs> Mike goes upstairs to get his luggage, closes his closet door, which has a mirror on the back of it. And then you see the tall man standing against the wall behind Boy. him. And he goes, Boy. Boy. Grabs him and pulls him through the mirror. Oh, total uh, Friday the 13th. Very type much thing. so, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was first, though? This, right? No, Nightmare No. This was first. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay. This, uh, so theoretically. 79, 80. Okay. Yeah, theoretically. Wes Craven could have stolen this, but I'm not saying I don't think he stole it. I think it's just like Wes Craven didn't want that ending with Freddie pulling the mom through. So uh, okay. uh, I don't think he intentionally got this idea. Hold on, are you guys trying to say Nightmare uh, Friday the Thirteenth? Oh, are you talking Nightmare about the boat Street. canoe Nightmare scene? On Nightmare on Elm Street. No, we're talking okay. about Nightmare on Elm Street. At the Sorry. end of Nightmare on Elm Street. The mom gets pulled through the, the door, door in a right, very right. similar fashion to how Mike is pulled through this mirror, but I don't believe that they were influenced these, by These are each kind other. of ideas. Again, creators will also sometimes, sometimes come up with the same ideas completely independently. Because the Friday the 13th ending is also kind of that red herring. Jason oh, yeah. jumps out of the boat and pulls her into the water. Yeah. Oh, good point. Kind yeah. of thing. So, I think maybe that was just kind of a thing at the time. People were like, oh, that'd be yeah. a cool idea. So that's this movie. And man, is it bananas. Oof. And all that crazy shit that we talked about from like the breaking into the mausoleum and finding out they're aliens to the Looney Tunes-esque ending to the, the mirror thing is all within like 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. It's like they shoved it all at the very end. Like, by the way, let's wrap this up. I like I like your point of that, John, that people probably would have liked it more had it been more of a, like, no, this kid, this was all this kid's imagination. Yeah. And then it not making sense would be fine. Right. Yes. And then like, it would have been like a psychological thriller almost. I would have really, I would have liked it a lot more, but they, that I think might have been too ahead of its time. Yeah, I 100% I agree with you. That would have been like the ultimate, like, holy shit, that's why this is bananas. 
But a lot of times I think when we explain these movies where, you know, it's like, I know it sounds complicated, but when you watch it, it makes like a, a lot more sense. This movie is not like that. I think we made it make more sense than the movie uh, did watching it. Yeah, we took a lot of liberties to what we think the movie means yeah. and what was occurring than what maybe actually was happening. Um, John, I want to ask you while I was watching this again, the tall man himself, did you get any parallels to Q from Star Trek? Where it's a it's a superior race that comes in and just starts fucking with everybody, kind of like almost for fun, because that's kind of what I was like. What is the tall man's goal here? He's just well, the goal is to get slaves. Uh, no, Q. I mean, from Star Trek, uh, I think his he was. There's always a lesson involved. It doesn't seem like the tall man's trying to provide a lesson. He's just trying to collect slaves to move rocks on his desert planet. <laughs> that's why I think. That's why I think the orbs are what's controlling the tall man, because there's no way this tall man could live on this planet with like the gravity the way it was. Yeah, I don't Him know. Him being that tall would just like be completely opposite of what they need there. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now that occurs in movie number three. Well, it's like a mining planet that they're like, we'll send the slaves there. We'll send back the resources. I will not try to tiptoe through the plots of the other movies oh, because I yeah. will blow myself up. <laughs> However, I will tell you in movie three, it is confirmed that Jody did die the way the movie ended. And in number three, Jody comes back and Jeez. he's able to turn himself into a silver ball. Oh, boy. Wait, so Jody did die as in a car, in a car crash. crash. Yes. But is able to resurrect himself as one of the Sentinel spheres. He comes back and he's just normal. He's like, hey, Mike, uh, don't touch me, bro. You don't want to go where I'm at. And then, like, some shit starts popping off and he morphs into a silver ball and starts flying around. Silver balls. <laughs> <sighs> just to confuse this even more, right? Wow. So would the lady who was banging dudes in the cemetery be a silver ball also? Everyone's a silver ball. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Your, your guess is as good as mine. Yeah. <laughs> this movie raised so many questions. There's no rules and there's no answers. <laughs> <laughs> so the sequel didn't get made for another nine years. Holy crap, that's a long time. Yeah, Coscarelli went on to do his, you know, his Beastmasters and yeah. whatever else. Well, around that time, uh, Universal was starting to feel like they didn't have any proper horror franchises. You know, all the nightmares were popping off, all that stuff was going on, and they're like, we invented the horror. We did the Wolfmans. We did the Frankensteins. And so they they came back to Coscarelli. He's like, bro, bro, Phantasm 2, what do you think? And he was like, all right, fine. So yeah, it literally took nine years to get a sequel made. That's quite the So stretch. these were very spread out. And I would I would recommend this movie, and I'd also recommend going down the bizarre rabbit hole that is all the sequels. Even the last one was shot on an iPhone, <laughs> oh, and it boy. just stars Reggie walking around the woods. We watched the trailers. <laughs> Selfie cam. We watched the trailers for all of them. I would say you could probably stop after three. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. I don't know, but it, it, like, it just... It goes places that I can't even pretend to describe to you. So if you're interested to see what they do with this franchise, do it. Just sit down. Don't expect anything great out of this, <laughs> but it's fun. They're fast watches. It seems like they're easy watches. You don't like struggle to get through them, but you are definitely at the end going like, wait, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> would you guys recommend it? <sighs> I would, but not at the, like, I don't know how this got like hailed as like one of the best horror franchises ever. Cause yeah. I don't know if it like, 
is really up there for me. I but agree. I would say I would recommend the first one. Maybe the second one once I watch it. But like I'd be like, yeah, sure, kick around Phantasm. It's more like a mindfuck movie, not a scary movie. I mean, there's that one gruesome scene, but other than that, it's like just a. It's very surreal. It keeps you off your feet. You never know what's happening at any given time. And if you paused it and tried to explain to someone what was happening, you'd sound like a mat like a maniac. So uh, yes, but if you try to explain the plot just straight up, someone be like, what the hell is wrong with you, dude? Uh, so yes, I mean, it is only 90 minutes, so I'm always a fan of that. Um, if you're a fan of honey mustard blood, <laughs> get on it. It's on Shudder, so, you know, everyone should subscribe to Shudder anyway. Agreed. Uh, so, you know, watch it. Angus Scrim has been in every single one of these until, unfortunately, he passed away uh, at the age of 89, but he was wow. involved in all of these. Damn. So That's a good run, though, 89. Yeah. That is not bad at all. Uh, he was actually at a Texas Frightmare panel 2015. I wish I could have seen that. Mm. Maybe they got a video somewhere. I'd like to see what he has to say about the whole experience. Uh, last one he did, it was Dances with Werewolves. <laughs> Jesus. I don't know what that is, but I like the title. Wow. Love I kind of want to know more about that. <laughs> I'm going to look that up. Yeah, let us know if you watch it. All right. Well, anything else to add before we wrap up, fellas? I'd say check it out. It's worth a watch. It's, the, it. Im- the imagery is fun. It is a fun time. You're yeah. going to be sitting there going, what is happening? And that's okay. Look, if you sat through <laughs> Leprechaun 4, you can easily sit through this. Yes. Mm, now. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. should be small who can tell what magic spells we'll be doing for us and i'm giving up my life to this world only to be told i can't see i can't